So Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 through 10. And I encourage you to put your expectation out there. Put your faith out there. Let's charge this atmosphere with faith and believe God. And he's going to meet you right where you're at. So here we go. It says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that, everybody say that. That will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. Everybody say corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life. And then he goes on, the apostle Paul, and says, Let us not grow weary in doing good. I love it. For in due season, everybody say my time. In due season, we will reap if we do not faint or if we do not give up. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in verse 10, so then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to some people. To just the people that look like us. To just the people that go to the same church as us. Okay. Do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. So good. If you've been around for a while, you may have heard, I've shared with you that I used to work in a funeral home. And, uh, you know, believe it or not, you know, I've always been an aspiring mortician. And so I've had the opportunity to be able to serve families at their lowest point. And I've had the opportunity to be able to serve those who also once lived and care for them and be in a position where uh, to bring ease to families in a very challenging time. So, Being in that environment, I was able to see some pretty crazy things. Many of them amazing because it's powerful how tragic situations can bring families together. But, you know, on the flip end, yo, honestly, like, if there was like a funeral home version of Jerry Springer, like, funerals oftentimes bring out the craziest things in people. Any witnesses? And I've experienced, so I've seen, you know, people all trying to jump inside and go with them, with their loved ones. And I mean, it's just, it's, it's been insane. But the, the craziest thing to me is this, that oftentimes you'll find that when people pass away, that's when, come on somebody, that's when folks will often start showing up and saying good stuff about them. You want to be real with me this morning? So many people are like, they hear somebody pass and be like, oh my gosh. But like, they just start freaking out like, I can't believe it. This person died. It's like, when's the last time you talked to him? Like two years ago. And they can't believe that this person, now their life is over. And, they, and they're in a position where, they, where, they're, where they're talking. They're acting as if. Come on, stay with me this morning. Acting as if. They're connected and close, and many times they're not even connected. But there's something about it that oftentimes it, it will, will come out. Some of us, we, we were just talking bad about the person. And then we get up and start talking about them like they, they're the best thing since sliced bread. Oh, they were such a great person. And, you know, they were so incredible. And they were so loving and all of this stuff. And we just finished cutting them up the day before. And the fact of the matter is, you know, that, that these are the things that I would have been able to witness. And many of us, you know, this is the case. But I'll say, even in a more of a general sense, outside of just the concept or the context of being in a funeral home, what happens many times is that we don't utilize the opportunities that we have 
with people while they're alive. Because sometimes it's not that we haven't been connected to people. It's not that they're not in our circle of influence. It's not that they've been mean to us and that we're in a position where we are, uh, where we are, you know, where we, we were talking bad about them. And th- but it's that many times there are people in our lives and our circle of influence that we do not use the opportunity that we have while they are living to give them the roses that they deserve. Can I talk about honor on this morning? And the fact of the matter is that then we go and we, we spend all of this money. Man, I've seen families spend exorbitant amounts, of, exorbitant amounts of money on flowers to line them up and put them on caskets. Come on, somebody. And that dead person is not able to smell them. You spend all of this money on this intricate, uh, this intricate box. Come on, that they're that they're going to be going into the ground with, and you're never going to see them again. But you didn't spend any money or attention on them. Come on, who am I talking to? When they were standing right next to you, when they were in the house with you, when they were next to you on the job. Come on, and many of us we overlook and miss the opportunities to give people their roses. Everybody say roses. While they're still alive. And so this series, this series, I want to challenge you. And I want to talk about this because I don't want, I don't want for another individual to pass out of our lives. Or for another person to move and go away. Or for us to miss another opportunity. Come on. For us to miss another opportunity to love on somebody. Or to honor people in our lives that are deserving of this honor or this love in our lives. And so this passage, this passage in its entirety, if we go and look at Galatians chapter 6, you know, there's so much to teach out of this, but I'm just going to isolate this, these few verses. But the whole, the whole passage is around the way that we deal with and interact with one another. Everybody say one another. And Paul talks about, he starts out by talking about bearing one another's burdens. And being in a place where when we see each other in a place where we may be facing hard times or way where we may fall or make mistakes or errors that we instead of being in a position where we're ready to judge folk and we're ready to talk about folk that we go out of our way to build people up and we go out of our way to pick people up considering ourselves and the fact that we also are imperfect. Are you with me? And so he starts out in this passage, I love it, in verse 7, uh, just our, our pericope or our excerpt uh, for today. He says, he goes on and he says, uh, don't be deceived. Talking about the way we deal with other people. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that, one more time, say that. That shall he also reap. Can I give you point number one today? As it pertains to giving out roses. Point number one, point number one will be up on the screen for you. Our lives are predominantly a reflection of our seeds. In fact, that's good enough to tell your neighbor. Uh, just go ahead and tell him, tell him neighbor, oh neighbor, your life is predominantly a reflection of your seeds. You know, and now the reason why I say predominantly and not say like all the time, because how many of you know there are things that we get in our lives that we didn't sow for? There are things that we get in our lives like grace. Thank you, Jesus, that I didn't get what I deserve. Come on. 
But after salvation, the, the fact of the matter is, and predominantly in our lives, our lives are a reflection of that which we sow into other people's lives. Some other religions will call this, you know, this whole concept of yin and yang and what goes around comes around. And, and, and this concept is to the extreme and it deals with uh, something even beyond just what we would consider as basic reciprocity, sowing and reaping. That go, goes around, comes around, yin and yang, that whole deal, that deals with, uh, th- with reincarnation. And what you put in this life, you're going to come back in the next life or in the afterlife as a different form based upon what you put in this life. But we're not talking about that form of reciprocity. We're just talking about because Paul, and you'll find this also in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, he deals with and he he uses the comparison of farming. And so he's saying, even in the same token, if I put mango seeds in the ground, who likes mangoes in here? Okay. If I put mango seeds in the ground, I can't expect to pick strawberries. What shows up if I plant peach seeds, I can't expect to be in a position where I'm eating watermelons. And many of us, we're upset about the current condition of the way that things are in our lives. Who am I talking to? And the way that folks are treating us. And the fact of the matter is that oftentimes if we would just do a seed assessment, We would recognize that it's because of the things that we're planting in other people's lives that many times that is what constitutes the harvest that comes in our lives. And so my challenge to you is, as we're talking about roses, as we're talking about conferring honor and being in a position where we love on others and things of this nature, I'm asking you, what is it? Because, you know, I remember, I'll never forget one person in particular. They always be like, nobody supports any of my events. This is an artist. Nobody supports any of my events. I can't believe whenever I have something, they don't ever support my events. And I realized, and, you know, and they would always be complaining. Nobody's coming out. Nobody's, nobody's coming out. And then when we looked at it, and I sat back and I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, why is it? Why is it that nobody's there? When you see this person, they don't ever go to anybody's events. They don't ever support anybody's things. Come on, somebody. But yet they want other people to support their stuff. And we live in a generation and a day and age where people want something for nothing. Come on. And they want other people to do to them what they don't want to do to other people. But I'm here to tell you that our lives are predominantly a reflection of the seeds that we sow. Can I keep it real this morning? What seeds are you sowing? What seeds are you sowing? They they oftentimes are indicative of the harvest that is in our lives. So he says, he says in the text, whatever you sow, that will you also reap. Many times we don't even realize the harvest that comes because some of you, you're like, you know what? I have been sowing good into people's lives. I have been doing good and that's fantastic. But sometimes we miss the harvest because we don't realize that sometimes the harvest will show up in another field. This is some, this is the thing, right? We, this is why even the concept of uh, just farming, it's limited to some degree. Because there's farming, but then there's spiritual farming. And so what will happen is, that's why one job can shut down and God didn't stop being your source. Oh my God. If you grab this stuff, I'm telling you, this will help your life. Because there are many of us, you've been doing good in one area and that person may not be the one who is reciprocating it. But you don't realize that God oftentimes will cause somebody else to pop up. 
and you'll reap harvest for seeds that you sow. My life, can I just testify? My life right now, when I look at the things that have happened, and many times I used to worry, and I used to talk to God, be God, be like, God, look at what I've done, and look at this, Lord, and look how I've been kind to this person, and all this, and this person has been so mean to me. And what I didn't realize, the Lord one day said, son, look at your life. I have caused so many people to bless your socks off. Come on, somebody. And even though the one person, come on, that made that you did something for, or the two people that you did something for, and they looked at you crazy, and they didn't reciprocate it, they can't block the harvest from showing up in your life, even if it shows up in a different field. So the text, the text, the text, it says, don't be deceived. In other words, stop tripping. God is not mocked for whatever one sows. That will he also reap. We go on in verse 8. says, for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit. Everybody say the spirit. Reap eternal life. Now, just to deal with the text a little bit, what Paul is doing here is, first of all, he dealt with uh, this concept of farming and he, ca- and he was dealing with the aspect of how we deal with other people. However, he switches gears here for a second and he starts dealing with salvation. Everybody say salvation. And he's saying when we are selfish in our actions, this is indicative of the fact that we have not truly had a regenerative experience or experienced life transformation. Because he's saying, watch this, he's saying and he's dealing with primarily the fact that many people were relying on their own works for salvation. They were, they were more specifically dealing with uh, circumcision because the Jewish people at that time thought that circumcision was an entrance into salvation with God. And so many people were becoming circumcised in that tradition in order to earn a right place or a rightful place with God. And what Paul is saying, he's saying, hold up a second. None of this stuff in your flesh is going to save you. He's like, if you sow into or, or work, try to work to get God's approval, this is not going to work. But he says, if you, if you are, if you sow into the spirit, which means if you hear the word of God about the good news about Jesus and put your trust and faith in Christ, then you're going to reap life eternal. But since the context of the chapter is dealing with the way that we interact with one another and the way that we are. So we can secondarily get out of this passage that he's talking about the fact that if you are saved, if you have been born again, you are. It doesn't just have to do with your salvation, but it also has to do with the way that you love on other people. It has to do with the way that you treat others. He says, if you are in a, if you are an individual where, where he goes on and he says, he says, for the one who sows to his own flesh, which, which is indicative of selfishness. The one who focuses on themselves. Come on. That it's all about you. That it's, that it's all about you. He says that person is going to reap corruption. He's not saying that the, that if you, uh, if you're selfish, that that means that you're going to go to hell because of those works. That's not the point of what he's saying. But he's more so saying, if indeed you have put trust in Christ, if indeed you have had transformation, it is going to show in your life that you care and put others before even yourself. 
and you're spirit led where you hear from God and your desire is to see other lives impacted even beyond your own life. And so this is why I'll say for point number two, point number two, selfishness is the antithesis of salvation. Selfishness is the antithesis. In other words, it is the opposite. Uh, it is the opposite point. It is not. It is the it is opposing the point of salvation. Selfishness is the antithesis of salvation. If you are saved, if you are born again, and you are a quote unquote, and you are a selfish person, or if you are someone that only cares about yourself, then you truly have not had an encounter with this God who gave his life for us in a selfless manner. Who am I talking to? If you truly have experienced the life changing gospel and good news of Jesus, it puts you to a place where you just love others more come on somebody where you care about the people in your circle of influence who am i talking to selfishness it is the antithesis of salvation we live in a generation that's a crabs in a bucket that has a crabs in a bucket mentality you know about Kevin? how many of you have ever seen crabs in a bucket does anybody like crabs you like crab i like crab meat okay <laughs> pescatarian ministry <laughs> hallelujah but you know The fact of the matter is that crabs in a bucket, if one tries to get up, the other one, the other ones will pull it down. And that's why they can never, they can never get out of a bucket if you have them in a bucket. Because whenever one tries to get up, the other's going to pull them down. Except for that meme that we've seen on the TV where, uh, on on Instagram where the crab jumped out the pot and turned off the oven by itself. But go, go check it out if you ever saw that. But, but they rarely, well, this, is a, this, is, this is the way that many of us view. We don't think that it's possible for us to be blessed and others to be blessed too. Come on. But how many of you know, and so as a result, we live our lives as crabs in a bucket. But God has not called you to live like a crab in a bucket. God has called you to be in a place where you use the salvation that he's given you, where you use the new life and the love that he's given you to go and to help other people. Come on, somebody to see them grow and see them better and make them feel special about themselves. It has to be about more than just you. What's the point, man, of being in a place where I'm where, you know, if I just if I had a million dollars and. You know, I have this miser mentality and I just am sitting, go and sit in a dark room and just, you know, no lights or whatever. And I just sit there and I sit on my million dollars or lie on it. And I just have it gets boring after a while, not doing anything with it, not investing it, not making impact with it, not doing anything. Just me in a dark room with a million dollars. And that is the way that many of us are with our salvation. God didn't save you to sit in a room and just and just shout and talk about how awesome it is that Jesus saved you. About how great it is to be saved. Hallelujah, I'm so saved in one glad morning when this life is over. I'm going to fly away. God didn't call you for that. He called us to be people that go beyond ourselves and love on others. Many people, they hear me. You hear me before I preach every week. You hear me praying for other churches. And some people are like, why? I've had pastors that have come and they've been like, why do you pray for other churches? You need to, you need to not do that because aren't you scared that people are going to leave and go to those churches? And I'm like, what type of mentality is that? I'm not so insecure that I'm scared. I'm scared. Oh, no, somebody's going to leave. Some people will leave whether I pray for that other churches or not. Who am I talking to? 
but I would rather be in a place where I give roses and realize it's not just about Serve City. Who am I talking to? But there are other churches that are in this city and there are over 3 million people in this city that are not yet professing Christ. And I realize that we're not the only ones. Come on, somebody that can reach all of those people. We are better together. And so I'm not just going to talk about it. We're going to be about it. And I do that every Sunday to try and shift your perspective as well. This ain't no cult. We don't got the corner on the gospel. We don't have really. We're not out here Donald Trump in the gospel. Come on, somebody. There are others who are preaching the gospel and we stand with them and we want to see their, We want to see God use them and change lives through them as well. So, you know, that's the, the, the fact of the matter is that this is, you know, I, that's why I want to challenge you, especially in this area. What's the reason you come to church? Why do you show up? You show up to church. You show up to church because you want to come. Oh, I need to come and get fed. That's why you come to church. Because you just want to get fed. Is that the only reason why you show up on Sundays and you connect? Oh, because I want to get fed. No. See, the fact of the matter is, yes, you and I, we need to get fed. And that's fantastic. But if the only time you're getting fed is on Sundays, first of all, that's a problem. Who in here eats one day a week and then goes home and don't eat again until the same day the next time? After church today, you're going to go go to Mr. Jerk or go to Caribbean Wave or one of those places and Nama food. And then you're going to eat this food and then be done. And then you're not going to eat for the rest of the week? No. I lie, right? Exactly. And that's the way that we treat the gospel. You show up on Sunday with your big mouth. Come on, somebody. Not your little lips, but your big mouth. Open up like, please feed me. Come on, somebody. And then you go through the week and don't crack that Bible. Not one time. I didn't just show up to give you a fix on this Sunday. And then you come back the next Sunday. But I showed up to challenge you so you can go out and love on somebody and put to work this practice, word to practice and seek God for yourself didn't come to play today because many of us we show up as consumers when we're just supposed to show up on mission come on somebody god didn't just send you here so you could get something but the reason you know what let me tell you this can i deal with this because some folk like "I i don't feel like going to church today i'm too mature so i could just do my own thing you know i could just go home i watch sermons on youtube you know we good on youtube and the youtube preachers and we have our church and they have the praise and worship on there so we go and i get hallelujah we lift our hands in the sanctuary and we have our worship in our living room and i'm okay hallelujah glory to god thank you jesus and you want to have your cyber church. Come on, somebody. With your selfish tail. Come on. How many of you know that there's someone here in the church that needs what it is that God has put in you? Come on, somebody. And the stuff that God has put in your life, he put it there and brought, I feel this preach. He brought you through it because there's someone who needs to experience the same victory that you got. And the only way they're going to experience it is if you show up and let the redeemed of the Lord man I feel this thing let the redeemed of the Lord so when you're selfish but talking about I'm staying home watching TV God didn't call you if you're sick and you're shutting that's one thing come on somebody but as long as you got walking in your legs and breath in your lungs you ought to show up not just for yourself but show up to be a blessing to somebody else I'm not just coming to life group on Thursday just because I'm coming to get a word and I need to go deeper but you show up so you can bless somebody else and give them some roses too 
I feel this preach, Michelle. I feel it. I feel it because uh, the word, the word is you need to understand. You and I need to understand that selfishness is the antithesis of salvation. That's what, not what God called you for. Some of y'all are mistaken. Oh, I'm going to go and find me a good church. A good church where did you, I could go get, uh, you know, I try this one out. It's like Burger King, you know. I try this one out. You know, I don't like this Burger King church, so I'm going to go ahead and I'm just going to go and we're going to find us a, a McDonald's church. Come on. Then you go to the McDonald's church and you're like, uh-uh, you know, I don't like this McDonald's church. So instead of this McDonald's church, I'm going to go find me a Ruth's Chris church. And then and we just jump all over the place, creeping to ourselves, teachers having itching ears, the Bible said, looking for somebody to titillate us. Come on, somebody. And instead of, when the fact of the matter is that many of us jumping from place to place the only reason why you jump in is because you're not living on mission come on church is more than an orgasm. <laughs> god didn't just save you to get titillated god didn't save you to just come to church and have a good time god didn't save you to show up and me to say stuff to you that makes you feel good god saved you so you could be on mission and pluck some roses and get out there and love on feel it i feel it i feel it because so number three let's look at the text look at the text don't got too much more time but let's look at the text says uh in verse eight we sow to the flesh will reap from the flesh corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life verse nine says and let us not grow weary in doing good i love it for in due season everybody say my time In my time, he says, I will reap if I don't give up. There's an if clause in there. See, many of us, we just say, you know, if I just sow, I'm going to reap. Hallelujah. And then we don't see stuff. And then we think, oh, you know, that, oh, God must not have been there. uh, And God must not have been with me because I'm not reaping when I think that I should have reaped. I think that's the word. Uh, English people, English teachers, don't judge me. But the fact of the matter is that this is the thing. Because the fact is that many of us, you gave up before the seed, before the harvest showed up. You sowed, but you didn't realize. See, we usually read just the part of the verses that sound good and make us shout. Ooh, you will reap. Ha! <laughs> Hallelujah. I catch a dance off that. I'm going to reap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get excited about it. It's like, no, he said, you will reap if. You don't give up. Ah, that's a that's a preach right there. In other words, I'm not just putting the seed in the ground and then walking away from it and or or standing there for the amount of time that I think I need to stand there. And then when it doesn't happen in the time that I think that it should have showed up, when God was actually just blocking it, I feel a prophecy right here. God was just blocking it because it would have jacked your life up if it showed up earlier than he designed and desired. And we end up walking away saying, God, you're not faithful. When in actuality, he instead was saying, I was just saving it up for the right time. He says, in due season, you will reap. Didn't say, didn't say you might reap. He said, you will reap if you do not faint. I love it. And so here's point number three. Can I give it to you? Say, give it to me if I can give it to you. Here we go. Point number three. Practice perseverance in doing good. Practice perseverance because the fact of the matter is we're talking about giving roses. How many of you know that roses have thorns? And sometimes in giving roses, it's painful. 
Sometimes if we don't handle the rose the right way, we might mess up and grab it and, and get stuck. How many of you have ever gotten stuck by a rose thorn? It's not a good experience in terms of feeling what happens when you get when you get stuck with that rose thorn. And the fact of the matter is that there is so there is sacrifice. There is sacrifice that happens when it is there's sacrifice that happens when we give. And so we have to realize we have to realize that we have to be we have to persevere despite how it feels, despite we just more so the focus needs to be on our obedience. And on our faithfulness than it does the way that it feels. Because if we persevere in times of sac- in, in times of our giving roses, we will reap and lives will be impacted. It's good stuff. You know, I just want to tell you, your harvest isn't attached to people's response. It's attached to your faithfulness. Your harvest, oh, I gave this to them and they didn't respond favorably. They didn't respond. You know, I gave them a whole bunch of roses. Anybody ever been there? I went and I spent a whole bunch. I invested a lot on what it is that I gave to this person. Or the person in my life, they may be in a place where they deserve a whole bunch. And you're like, I don't want to do this because of the pain, because of the cost, because of the sacrifice. But how many of you know that when it is that we go out of our way and put ourselves in a position where we love and where we make the sacrifice, it might leave your pocket, but it will never leave your life. Man, this is some good stuff. If you would grab this, we got to persevere. Persevere in doing good. Persevere in doing good. Practice perseverance. Despite the way that it may hurt. Now the words for good, because he says it twice here in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Let us not get grow weary in doing good. The word for good there, because remember the Bible is originally written in Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. And here in the New Testament, it's written in Greek. And so to get a better understanding, because some of you might be saying, so what is he saying by doing good? What does he mean by this? Well, there are two words for good that he uses. One here in this verse, the first word for good here is kalos, where he says, don't grow weary in doing kalos, which means conferring honor, things that are precious, things that are comfort, comforting and confirming. So when we're to a place where we don't get weary in doing kalos, K-A-L-O-S, for those who are interested And it means to confer honor. So don't get weary in honoring folk. Don't get weary in comforting folk and putting them in a position where you are, where you are confirming them, where you are putting them in a place where you are comforting them, where you're doing precious things towards them. Not only this, but then he goes on in the in the rest of the text and he says in verse 10, which we're moving on to. So then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Everybody say everyone. And every and especially to those who are of the household of faith, that word good there is another word, and the word for good there is agathos. Everybody say agathos. And that word means things that are useful, things that are joyful and pleasant. So so we have kelos, which is conferring honor, precious, comforting, confirming, and agathos, which means useful, joyful things, pleasant things. I especially love that word youth, useful. Because how many of you know that oftentimes the way that we give roses to people, we give roses to them in the way that we want to be blessed. 
Oh, man, this is so good. You, you need to grab this. Realize, realize. Because oftentimes, oftentimes, we, we, we give people what we think they need as opposed to what they actually need or want. Am I talking to somebody this morning? You know, every now and again, I'll buy stuff for my wife and, you know, certain articles of clothing or underclothing. <clears throat> and hallelujah, we're married on this morning. 12 years next month, praise the Lord. Three kids, glory to God. Let's get it on. No, but every now and again, I'll buy her something and it's not necessarily useful for her. Come on. But it's useful for me. And I'll be like, look, babe, I love this. I think this is fantastic. I love the way that you look in this, babe. And she's like, okay. (laughs) Because I'm giving her something that I like, which is not necessarily always a problem. But if the only roses I'm giving to her, come on, is communicating what I want, come on, as opposed to loving on her in the way that she will be useful for her, then that's selfish love. That sounds oxymoronic, too. Are you loving people selfishly? Are you loving people in the, are you loving people and giving them things? That, you know, when you get, how, how would it look if I show up and for my son's birthday, I gave him a Home Depot gift card? <laughs> Talking about, happy birthday, son. Here's this lawnmower. <laughs> Gabe would be like, thanks. I mean, he'd be thankful, but he'd be like, what, what are you giving me a lawnmower for? Because you're going to cut the grass. But that's another story. But, you know, at the end of the day, the, the, the fact of the matter is that that's oftentimes the way that we bless other people. But I love how he says, in terms of agathos, he says, things that are useful, where we're loving on people in a way. How is it there are people in your life right now that need roses in a useful way? And you've been getting mad because you've been loving on them and giving them roses, but you've been giving them your roses. Whew. Moving onward. He goes on and says, I got to move. He says, he says here in the text, he says, so let's not grow weary in doing good for in due season you will reap if you don't give up. And then verse 10, he says, so then as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. I love it. Here's point number four. Discard discrimination when doing good. Discard discrimination when doing good there are many of us that we will only help people and do good to people who look like us who talk like us who may be from the same place that we're from who am i talking to and the fact of the matter is that god is telling us through paul here in this passage that we have to throw away discrimination as it pertains to doing good that we need to do our best to love on everyone Jesus didn't show up and say that I'm only going to show my love just to one select group of people. He says that I'm going to, he came, God so loved the world. And so if we're going to preach this gospel, if we're going to show it and love on people the same way that Jesus loved them, that means we're going to show it to everybody and not just the people that we select. So he says, as you have the opportunity, he says, do everything. We've got to be to a place. And I mean, this is really a challenge for us because if you look like, look at Christ, Christ was always someone who was willing to cross cultural barriers. 
He was always doing everything he could to go across lines and barriers to the point where people that even he dealt with, they were like, why are you talking to me? Don't you know that we don't have dealings with people like you or you don't usually have dealings with people like us? And he's like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Wait a minute. I showed up with an agenda that's beyond what the worldly system of discrimination has set up. And many of us, we have not only missed our blessing, but we have missed the opportunity to empower and to deliver and to cause breakthrough to happen in somebody's life. Come on, somebody, because they don't look like us or because they're not in the socioeconomic status that you're in. Can I talk to somebody this morning because they're in a position where they're they're, oh, I don't deal. We don't deal with people in that region. We don't go to people in that neighborhood. Oh, my gosh, I got to lock my doors and. And many times we miss what what God has for us because we don't want, come on somebody, because people may be in a different tax bracket, up or down, come on. But I'm to the place where, you know what, my blessing, it can show up from anywhere, come on. And me blessing, it can be anyone, come on. And you got to get to the place where you're mature enough to not allow discrimination to stop you from conferring roses and giving roses to people who deserve it. And who need it in their lives. Hey, can I give you the last one? And then he goes on and he says in the text, in verse 10, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Give roses to everyone. And especially to those who are of the household of faith. You know, it's been interesting because growing up, it's, it's just a really crazy dynamic to me where you'll find that oftentimes, maybe, maybe I'm the only person that's ever seen this, but you'll find that people many times will treat outsiders better than they do their own family. And I, you know, I meet couples and counsel people and walk through all sorts of stuff. And, you know, couples oftentimes will be complaining, saying, my husband, my husband is just, he treats me so horrible, but he treats everybody incredibly or even vice versa. And it's just many, t- many times this is the perspective that we have where we treat what we're familiar with Because that's the word right there. What we're familiar with and what we're accustomed to. We oftentimes will treat it less than or put less effort because the chase is over. That's why there are a lot of marriages that have failed. Oh my God, who am I talking to? A lot of marriages have failed because you see, you were treated and loving on your spouse when she wasn't yours yet. But then now that the chase is over, now that you now are calling them your fiance or your girlfriend, now that you put a ring on it and they said yes, now that the chase is over, oftentimes things will go stale and we look for the chase in someplace else. Oh my, I, just, I just really hope y'all are grabbing this because this is, I'm telling you, in other areas of our life, this is the same way that we are. He says, don't do good to everyone, but especially to those who are in your circle of influence especially to those who are the household of the household of faith especially to those who are your brothers and sisters go out of it i love when we have experiences in this house i love where and i've shared this if you're in next steps i've talked about this i remember one sunday where we had a scenario where someone got up here with a prayer request and said you know what i need my rent paid and i'm about to be thrown out and all of this sorts of stuff and by the end of service we were heading on our way to next steps and someone of y'all from in here went and and, and came, to, came to us and said, I want to pay that person's rent. 
And that person's rent was able to be paid. Who am I talking to? That person's rent was paid and they were able to be saved out of that situation because some roses were given by someone who is a part of the household of faith. And that's what we're talking about in conferring and giving roses even in this time. So point number five, here it goes. Point number five, practice generosity, especially to those in close proximity. Especially to those in close proximity. Who are those who are around you that you need to confer honor to, that you need to give roses to? Is it a spouse that you need to go ahead and realize that they're still the same gift from God that they were even when you uh, got, even when you were trying to get them? Now that you have them, they're still the same gift from God. Is it a, is it a father? Is it a mother? Who is it that you need to go and, cre- and confer honor on? I want to end in, because he says where the opportunity is, where the opportunity is knocking, that we've got to do good for everyone. And this is where the challenge is. This is where I want to talk to you about. And so I'm going to end with this poem, because my question to you is, where is opportunity knocking for you to give roses in your life? Here goes this uh, poem, Give Me My Roses While I Live, by the Carter family. Don't wait for people to die to try and give them something they can't smell says, wonderful things of folks are said. When they have passed away, roses adorn their narrow bed over the sleeping clay. Give me my roses while I live, trying to cheer me on. Useless are the flowers that you give and the, after the soul has gone. Let us not wait to do good deeds till they have passed away. Now is the time to sow good seeds while the earth, while here, while on earth we stay. Verse three, kind words are useless when folks lie cold in a narrow bed. Don't wait till death to speak kind words. Now, everybody say now. Now should the words be said. Where is there an opportunity in your life that you need to confer kindness upon someone and that you need to honor someone who may need some roses? I want to encourage you to get this in your heart and in your mind and in this time and and be in a place where the same love the same roses that were extended to us by Jesus through his death, his burial, his resurrection on our behalf, that we take those same roses and pay it forward and love on other people. As Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, that they will know that you are my disciples by the love that you show one to another. Praise God.